a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a small erection is just another name for your nana's bungalow. I'm ahead of the game. Welcome to The Smut Drop, a weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at how to have a great second date, chatting to a leading neurologist about penises, and ask him all the questions that penetrated my inbox when I asked you for questions about your favourite member. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, or please just at least subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I hope you're ready, because I want you all standing to attention. Because we're talking about... Yeah, okay, you get it, fine. <clears throat> Hello, dear listener. Now, I know you love a bit of advice for Amanti Miranda and the Smut Drop Gang, which is a great band name. I have found an article on Metro from Ellen Scott about how to nail a second date. Oh! I love a second date. You've gotten all the awkwardness out the way. You're not as nervous. All the pressure's off. And you have laid your flag in the sand. And you've both said, hey, I like spending time with you. And hopefully none of those flags have been bright red. So how can you keep things going smoothly? Fortunately, Samantha Rowland-Jones, a matchmaker at Ignite Singles, has given us her five key tips. Number one, relax and enjoy it. You've gotten your nerves out the way and now it's time to bring up some of those things you've learned about the other person the first time around. So how's your dog this week? Did you manage to take your cat to the vets? I've run out of conversation already. Two, mix it up. If you went for dinner and drinks on your first date, now it's time to try something else. Try a shared activity based on what you know about them. A picnic in the park, a museum exhibition, or enjoying a long sunset walk. Aww. Three, get a little deeper. Apparently, grilling someone about their exes is still off the table for this one, which might be where I'm going wrong. But it's time to find out more, find out about their childhood, their career plans, their their family or their background. Samantha says it's all about knitting together a picture of who they are and feeling comfortable enough to share things with each other. Four, show more affection. Now, I love that Samantha has said there's no set time limit for how intimate any date should be. Just go with what you feel comfortable with. But yeah, if you are worried, I will be posting a video with some pegging tips on my Instagram. Five, get real. Of course you laid it on for your first date. We all do. Everyone wants to make a great first impression. But now is the time to show who you actually are. Ditch the heels and get your trainers on. You don't have to put so much makeup on. Don't even have to worry about product. No, do put product in your hair. Guys, definitely put product in your hair. But now it's time to show your true self and find out how compatible you could be as a couple. And hey, if they don't like it, bid them off. You're too good for them anyway, babes. That, that's my advice, not Samantha's. <clears throat> have you got any dating tips? If you have, send them in to me at smutdrop at metro.co.uk. In the meantime, I've got a hot date myself. And I know this one is definitely going to involve a lot of cock. Let's go and speak to this week's guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays, this week's guest is a leading urologist who is the author of Members Club, A User's Guide to the Penis. Yes, despite its presence in the world, it seems we all still need a manual. Fortunately, he's written exactly that. It's an accessible, intelligent guide that dispels myths, explains its workings and, most importantly, provides plenty of reassurance. And I've brought him onto our tawdry podcast just to talk about dick. It's Dr. Pete Huber. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us from an actual university in Belgium. Yeah, Yeah, correct. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for coming on. I do have to say in advance that not all of these questions are my questions. Some of these have been sent in from our listeners. So uh, I do apologize in advance, but I'm going to start off with one of my questions. Your book sounds amazing, but I want to know, is it illustrated? Oh, you want my book illustrated? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's easy. You can just uh, go to Google and um, introduce the words I used in the book. But then you have maybe not the correct illustration because that is one of the issues why this book was written because the easy accessible information on, on penises is not what is the reality. And so actually in the Dutch version of the book, we have a ruler because length is an important issue. And uh, the Dutch book has just the size of a penis in erection. So that's the difference. The members club, so the, the English translation, the book is a little bit larger than the actual size of a mean penis, but the Dutch version was like medium size of the penis. So you could lay the book next to your penis to see if the size was all right. Wow, that brings a new meaning to the phrase Dutch courage, doesn't it? (laughs) 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 Measuring your penis against a book. Now, I always think that necessity is the mother of of all invention. So, and as Mm. you quite rightly said, the accessible information that people are getting about their penis is not the right kind. People are looking at porn, they're, you know, Googling search terms. So what is your first piece of advice to someone if they've got a question about the penis? Yeah, I try to to guide them to the scientific information. So in my consultation, I have all the the normal values about about dicks, about sperm production, about everything. And I try to confront people with the normal values. The reality, however, is that most people who get into the consultation have been years busy with this thing and have a completely distorted uh, idea about what's normal. So... You have to guide them to websites that are reliable, to scientific information, try to convince them that something in their head has distorted their view on the reality. What kind of questions are they coming to you with? What's the most asked question? The most asked question is, um, my penis is too small, I want it larger. That's the most asked question. Mm. Um Second is the, the 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 girth of the penis. Is it thick enough or not thick enough? Sperm is also an issue. How much sperm do you produce? Because in porn, there is uh, liters of sperm, which is not reality. Mm. And then the duration. Uh, so what we call the intravaginal uh, latention time. This may be a difficult word, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to estimate how quickly you ejaculate the scientific way to approach this is the very regular intercourse, intravaginal latention. So the time it takes you 
f- starting when you enter the vagina to the orgasm. Mm. So how and most people think this needs to be like uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, which is the duration of a mean porn film, but that's not correct. Yeah. In reality, it's like three to five minutes is the mean. So, um, yeah. but people think that they all have uh, premature ejaculation, but most don't have yeah. uh, premature ejaculation is an issue, but not for most. So these are the most size, thickness, and performance is the three things where people come and see me for well let's ask about them what can people do is there anything people can do about their size okay no well size no no, it's 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 easy size is something you have to accept the size of your penis because that's the thing you were born with and Mm. all kinds of surgery that are there are no pills there are no stretch devices there are no Surgery, yeah, there is surgery that can lengthen the penis, but it destroys the function. So that's completely out of, uh, yeah. So no. you you cut the penis, you 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 put an erectile device in it, so you have no more just spontaneous action. But let's say that without destroying your penis, you cannot make it longer. Mm. There is an important difference because many people have their complaint because of the size of the penis when it's not in action, so non-erect. And I absolutely have no idea why it's important to have a flaccid penis that is long. You, you read in my book that there is, uh, people don't know there is a muscle in the skin of the penis and in the skin of the scrotum. Mm. That muscle is called the dartos muscle. That's a muscle that contracts and brings the genitals inside. Mm. If you go back into times, it was important when we were not wearing clothes that our genitals were inside. Many animals still have that. Their genitals are completely retracted and they only get out when they need to be sexually active. Mm. In men, in men, due to evolution and due to the fact that we start wearing clothes, you don't need that anymore. And so the dartos muscle loses some of its activity in many men, while in some men it's still very active. So if you have like 100 men, with a mm. penis of 13 centimeter in erection, and you all examine them flaccid, you can go between three and 13 centimeter because some of them will shrink due to that muscle. Oh. That muscle, that typical muscle that when you go in cold water, yeah. the men say the water is so cold, that's because that muscle is contracting. And once again, I don't understand why a flaccid penis should be long. Yeah. Well, because evolutionary, if you go to the primates, a gorilla's penis is very small, like three centimeter, while the Homo sapiens has a penis of 13, 14 centimeter mean. So it's much bigger than a gorilla, while a gorilla is much bigger. That is because evolutionary, a gorilla impresses the female partner by his total appearance. Well, the Homo sapiens needed to impress by his penis. So the humans impressed when, like 10,000 years ago. So yeah. in our DNA, genetically, we are programmed to be important when we, have a, when we can show a big penis, which is absolutely mm. no more relevant today. But that's why right. maybe men are stupid. Eh? Sometimes, uh, <laughs> sorry, I can't say it, I'm a man. <laughs> They, they, they cannot control that evolutionary 
pressure from their DNA. Why are men making dick pics? Why are they doing that? <laughs> it's the same the same reason to impress. And rich men are making dick pics. Those men with the big dick, because the small dickies don't send dick pics. Eh? They, yeah. they, so it, it has to do with that evolutionary pressure that your DNA is the whole evolution of the mankind. Eh? And, and so it has been once important to show a big penis to get a good partner and to get good intercourse. And that's in the background of our brain still working. Yeah. But today it's absolutely not relevant. But still, men men want it. You're entirely right. I mean, evolution-wise, that makes total sense of like, oh well, yeah, here is my here is my member, here is my penis. Come to me, ladies. Yeah, correct. But of course we don't need that now. And 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 No, you, today you need a Porsche and yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hubeck, sometimes you just need a Big Mac. Like I've, I've done it for worse. But just one thing. For pills, you know, there are these um, Viagra kind of pills which is erectile. So that are pills that increase the blood flow into a penis. So there are some of these pills you can take on a daily basis, like a small dose, and then your penis will get a little bit more blood flow in and it will flesh it, look a little bit bigger. And sometimes for psychological reasons, we prescribe to those men who are really crazy about the size of their, their penis we prescribe that drug but that's it's not really lengthening it's just increasing the blood flow and thus increasing a little bit the size of the penis oh my god and, and would the pills have like long-term side effects or like is there things no they, they they don't destroy anything so but it's it's expensive that's one side effect these pills are expensive and you have quite some side effects that you get a blush in your face uh, you can feel warm from that pill so it's not really comfortable always to have these to take these pills my primary advice is accept what you have yeah it's not the size of the ship but the motion of the ocean and all these things i have all these statements i use in my consultation <laughs> and also it's flaccid no one cares no nobody one cares looking at it it's gonna go oh you know and it's but you know Miranda. We call this, these men have what we call penile dysmorphic disorder. So they, they you, you know, the, mm. there is a syndrome called body dysmorphic disorder. These are people yeah. who think their body is completely abnormal. They get plastic surgery for everything, for breasts, for muscles, for everything. And some, some men have just penile dysmorphic disorder. And mm. when they go, for instance, when they take a shower in the gym, they're absolutely convinced that they are the only ones in the whole room who have a small penis. And they only they look around and they only see big penises around them because they look very selectively and they increase the problem. It's a kind of psychotic process going on in their brain. And that, that's that's catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So we have to break that 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 vicious circle of always thinking that you have a small small penis because most men consulting for a small penis don't have a small penis that's the, the, the most important thing so what would if someone's listening to this though and they're thinking but i look around and think i've got a small penis and they might think that they've got penis dysmorphia but what would be the um the way where you can tell the difference between someone who's just a bit insecure and someone who need who might need help first of all you have to objectively measure the penis. That's one thing you have to do. You have a good, you make a good measurement. Okay. So you go in a warm bathroom, you, you look at something that stimulates you, you have a good erection, 
Then you take your ruler mm -hmm. and you put it on the upper side of your penis. So you put one, one part just in your body where, there's, where your penis comes out of your body. And mm -hmm. then you measure the length till the tip. Eh? And, and then you have an objective measure. When you are between 9 and 16 centimeters, then you're completely normal. Mm -hmm. okay. And 95% of men will be between 9 and 16 centimeters. Yeah. Only 2.5% of men will be lower than 9 in erection and 2.5% of men will be bigger than 16 in erection. And they are not abnormal. They're just the outer side of the curve. Mm. And I see the boys with real problems, the micropenis, boys who have a penis of 4 and 5 centimeters, and I have to give them the same advice. I can do nothing for you. We cannot help you. You have to... You have to to be very creative with what you have, and you can be very creative with what you have, because mm. I know many of these boys, I'm 30 years in practice now, so I've seen a lot of these boys, They have many of them have a happy sex life. You don't need a very big, uh, big penis to have a happy sex life, I think. Yeah, especially when, um, you know, well, all sort of genitalia, it's not like as if we've got a magic button that's 16 centimetres up inside us. It's it's all right there at the entrance, lads. It's Absolutely. <laughs> How can we look after our penis? For those people that have them and those people that have one near them, what's the best way to look after it? Try to be healthy. Yeah? Anything that's unhealthy, like overweight is not good, smoking is not good, alcohol is not good. Uh, you know, we call the penis, I don't know if they say that in English, the, the canary in the coal mine. So in the coal mine at that bird, when you start having problems with your erection, then the small blood vessels of your penis start to sludge and they are smaller than your coronary arteries. So when your penis is going down in erection, please go and see a cardiologist because probably you have some cardiac problems. So hypertension, diabetes, overweight are not good for the penis. Eat healthy, move a lot, keep your weight under control, uh, make sure you have no diabetes, have a good uh, fantasy, sexual fantasy, develop your sex life in a positive way. And then that's just for the general uh, condition of your penis. And then for the local hygiene, just consider your penis as part of your body. So I have this story that you cannot wash your penis with soap, which is absolutely, absolutely absurd. You can wash your penis with... Like, like the rest of your body, because it's skin like the rest of your body. Of course, better to use modern soaps with a low pH uh, acidity and not sunlight soap. Uh, sunlight soap was the older soap, which is a very aggressive soap. So, But you just can do with your penis, be healthy and do normal. Is there, is there um, something that guys should pay attention to with the foreskin? Because we have had some horror stories on this podcast about what has and has not been found under a foreskin, mainly what has been found under a foreskin. So <laughs> could yeah, you just that's... give those lads a little bit of advice? <laughs> so under your foreskin, you have, if you have a score, foreskin, there is a healthy microbioma under your foreskin. And they are normally healthy. They keep the, the balance correct. If you wash too much, if you wash three times a day, then you will disturb this, uh, this microbioma. You will have an overgrowth of some bacteria. And uh, that can give very terrible things. And, of course, there's something. There is what is called smegma. Yes. It's a kind of uh, smear coming from some glands 
just under the glans penis. Mm. And some men have excessive production of smegma. There is also a difference in how much smegma you produce. Smegma is like an oily substance that makes the foreskin easily to, re- to, to be reduced over the, over the glands. Normally, it's not dirty, but when you have excessive smegma, it can be very embarrassing. And then circumcision is a good option. Circumcision can be a good option for men who have excessive, excessive smegma. When you daily wash with a good soap, rinse well after the shower, then there should be no problem because all that's living there is healthy. Does a, does a foreskin... Um... I don't want to say, does it matter? That doesn't sound right, but like... Yeah, but I understand you. First of all, the foreskin is protective skin. It protects the sensitive mm. glans penis. So it has a role, but the foreskin in itself is sensitive, is sexually sensitive. So we did a very large study in 2000 men where we examined the sensitivity yeah. of the foreskin. And we could prove that the foreskin of an uncircumcised man is sexually more sensitive than the glands of a circumcised man. So when you are circumcised, you have lost quite some of your sexual sensitivity, which is in the foreskin. Of course, most circumcised people don't know because they don't have it. So you don't know it. Yeah. I, we just talk about sensitivity. This does not mean that your sex life is better or worse. That we did not measure because... There is a lot of things in the literature. Some say sex is better with, sex is better without, whatever. Anyway, when you have your foreskin removed, you have less sex sensitivity. So the chance that you can work a little bit longer before getting to the orgasm is realistic. So sometimes men with premature ejaculation, we can advise them to undergo circumcision in order to lengthen their time to go to the Um, orgasm. So the foreskin is just important. I'm not against circumcision, but I think circumcision should preferably be done in somebody who can give a consent to have his foreskin removed. Mm. And there's also so many factors. Like it's someone might listen and go, oh, well, if I, you know, keep my foreskin, then I'll I'll have better sex. But it's like, well, if you keep your foreskin, but you've got loads of smegma underneath it, you're not going to have any sex. So, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> <laughs> you've got to weigh it up, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and, okay, so how can we have a healthier relationship with our penis? Like if you've... Um, I mean, for instance, I don't have a penis, but I've certainly owned a couple in my lifetime. But how can I have a healthy relationship with one? Well, you, know, that you don't have a penis, but you have exactly the same structure as a penis because the clitoris is the same as a penis. You have to know mm-hmm. it's exactly the same structure. So first of all, we have to learn to know our penis. Oh. We have to, to, to do some uh, penisfulness. You have mindfulness, but you can also have penisfulness. You can penisfulness. When you, when you start to have an erection, you can observe in yourself what's happening in my body. And then you have a lot of muscles there. You have your pelvic floor, which is a very, very strong muscle. You have all the pelvic floor muscles around the corpora. And when you contract these muscles, you can strengthen your erection. And these are exercises you have to do. So you have to be penisful in exercising your penis you you have to be aware of what what's happening down there you also have to learn how your sexuality is working eh? there is 
For instance, you have, of course, first there is the stimulation, you get into erection, then you have the action, then you have the orgasm, then you have the refractory period where everything is uh, mm. falling down. But for instance, the moment before orgasm, orgasm, there is a point of no return. If you learn to recognize in yourself that point of no return, maybe you can just diminish the activity a little bit just before the point of no return. So you can make your sex enjoyment longer. So by being very conscious about what's happening in your body, you can learn yourself to have better sex. And that's what, of course, do that together with your partner. Eh? Talk to your partner, have the feedback from your partner. And if you don't have a partner, do it with yourself because it's, uh, it's really important to learn to, to explore your body and to learn what you have. And you have much more than just your penis. Eh? That's also something men forget often. Yeah. Do you have penis fullness exercises in your book? Uh, yes, there's in my book. Uh, I, I did some pelvic floor exercises uh, were included, but it's not so difficult. It's like when you hold urine, when you have a very urge to pee, and you hold urine, mm. that's the way, that's the moment you contract your pelvic floor, and then you have to learn to do the opposite. Relax it for like ten seconds to completely the opposite, and then contract it again, and then relax it again, and then you learn that that muscle is there, and that muscle can even help you during intercourse. When Oh, you know, some men, when they have the penis in erection, they can just uh, make this uh, movement by just contracting the pelvic floor. Their penis is jumping mm. up and down, and that's because of the contraction of the pelvic floor. And on contraction of the pelvic floor, you increase the pressure in your corpora, and that gives a positive feedback on your sexual experience. So by using your pelvic floor, you can have a much pleasurable sexual life than just... Uh, let it happen automatically. You can you can actively be involved in your sex life if you want, not only by having intercourse, but also by um, training your penis to get more activity. Right. So whilst you can't lengthen the size or anything, you can you can make your erection stronger um, and more pleasurable by by strengthening your pelvic floor. Absolutely, you make you can you can reinforce your erection. Of course. Most erections in healthy men are okay, mm. but even then the pelvic floor can help. So this, once again, the penis fullness mm. is a kind of meditation, a sex meditation. Uh, it helps you to improve the quality of your sex life. Oh, that sounds, it sounds like, because a lot of people might just be looking at the the size and, and the girth and all those sort of very, you know, top layer questions. But then if you actually research it and look into your pelvic floor then there's there's help there there's you know something you can do to help and also for females it's the same right females also have a pelvic floor oh i love my pelvic floor oh yeah it's one of my favorites yeah (laughs) that thing goes at a drop of a hat doctor (laughs) i haven't had kids but if i do and i start sneezing it'll be my pelvic floor that's So we normally have um, listener stories and we get listeners to send in questions. So I've got some quick fire penis questions. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Again, apologies in advance. Okay. Dr. Hubeck, if I go commando, does it have any penis benefits? Wait, I didn't know what's commando. If you wear clothes, but without any pants, any boxers or jockey shorts. Okay. So that's no issue. It's no problem. Your penis... The whole story about boxers or uh, other underwear, there is no evidence that 
any of these are harmful or better, you can do whatever you want. Okay. So don't worry about clothing. <laughs> Good. I shan't. Um, if I continuously masturbate with my right hand, will my dick get a curve to the right? No, no, no. <laughs> That's also one of these uh, fairy tales. No, you, you can do whatever you want. Actually, the curve... Not not all dicks are straight. Huh? Many many dicks have a curve, and the normal curve is an upward curve, curve which is uh, mm. in, in that way up. But there is left and right, and it has nothing to do with masturbation. So you can go on with your right hand without any problem. <laughs> what is a good age to sit down with a child who has a penis and start telling them about it? What kind of things should I start saying? Oh, I think children will start themselves by observing that they have a penis and you have always give them to give them positive feedback. Actually, something because I'm a pediatric urologist too. And, you know, erections and children is something mothers are very worried about because some boys have like 100 erections a day. Others have zero erections a day and everything is normal. And most often boys who have an erection will tell that it's painful and you have to explain them that it's something normal and it's not pain, but it's uh, embarrassing at that age and uh, try to be positive about uh, their penis. As parents, we don't have to to induce that discussion that will come by itself. So just let them let them let them tell this, their stories. They will see and they will they will tell you. Oh, that sounds a nice, natural way to go about things. Absolutely. Unlike this one. Um, why does my penis look like a mushroom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're an actual doctor. I'm so sorry about it. There is different kinds of mushrooms. Huh? You have mushrooms with a very big head, mushrooms with a small head. But anyway, the fact that the head is bigger than the shaft has a reason. Because this creates, in a regular intercourse, a penis and a vagina. This will create a vacuum. And will clean the way because in the vagina there is acid fluid, and that's not good for sperm. So, by having intercourse, you remove the acid fluid, and you make you clear the way for the sperm. And another thing, in times when intercourse with many partners was normal, you clean away the sperm from the one that was before you, so that your sperm can go faster to the to the egg. So the mushroom form of the penis is to clean the way to get your sperm a free way to the uterus. What? So it's like a little sort of scouring brush. Yeah, it's like yeah, correct. It's it's really it's creating a vacuum. Eh? It's it's really cleaning cleaning the whole way out eh? because it's larger. It makes yeah. it sucks the acid fluid and the sperm of the one who was before away. And it makes the way free for your sperm. Do you know what I like about that? I like that it's nature's <laughs> way of saying it's okay to have multiple partners. I think. Of course, that's. <laughs> there are animals who have sperm that becomes as hard as concrete. Mm. Then the next one sperm can no go can no no more pass. That's the yeah. way to protect. So the sperm is as hard that the new sperm wow. can pass. Actually, in the humans, the sperm is also sticky. Uh, so the, why is the sperm yeah. like it is? Because you have to imagine, Imeranda, that we had sex in a very unsafe environment. There were tigers and, and all kinds of animals. So you have to do it quickly, very quick. So quick orgasm was normal. 
and then run away as fast as you come to a to a safe place. If the sperm was liquid, it would fall out of the vagina immediately. So the sperm stays like 15 minutes in a kind of glue state. And only after 15 minutes, it starts to liquefy and then the sperm cells can go out. So that's because you have intercourse somewhere in, in, in the bush and then there is a tiger coming. So you have to run away. And in order the sperm to stay in your vagina, that's why it's so sticky and glue, glueish. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. Dr. Hubeck, thank you so much. This has no been problem. absolutely fascinating. If people want to find you or they uh, want to get some more details, where can they find you? Yeah, they find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, they find me in the University Hospital of Ghent. So if you go to the website, you'll find a contact there to get in touch with me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. I've learned so much. And it's honestly, my pleasure. this has been this it, it goes to show what an amazing subject this is and how much we need books like a member's guide because all of these things have been such a great thing to chat about and, and really eye-opening. So thank you. Okay, perfect. Thank oh. you. <laughs> how fascinating was that? Oh my god, so much thanks to Dr. Who back there. I thought it was so fascinating to find out how much goes back into your DNA from when we were out trying to survive in the wild and and how much there are so many things that we worry about now that you you really don't need to. But if you do want reassurance, then I really highly recommend Members Club, A User's Guide to the Penis by Dr. Pete Huback. It is super inclusive as well, because we all know not every man has a penis and not every penis has a man. Don't worry, we've got that. But if I saw that book on a shelf, I would think, what a prick. But in a really good way. Like, like I actually want to play with that dick, knowing that it has been well looked after and cared about. Oh, my God. I did not get around to half the questions, I'm sure, that either you or I had. So make sure you subscribe to Smut Drop and keep listening, because hopefully we'll do a part two. So instead of listener stories, we put all your questions to Dr. Huback. But that doesn't get you off the hook. Oh, no, we want more. This week, I want to hear your catfishing stories. Have you been catfished? Have you ever been a catfish? Has a catfish used your pictures? Tell me everything. I want all the gossip. So just slide into my DMs on Insta where you can leave a lovely little voice note. Or you can email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. And if you want to hear the ones that we loved remember to subscribe right now i've been miranda kane smut drop was produced by pineapple audio Productions for metro.co.uk and please feed my need for validation by leaving me a review or following me on instagram at miranda kane in the meantime i'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week <laughs>